On this week's Televisionary, we're going down to South Park. South Park can animate, record an entire episode in six days, and we can't do a podcast in less than like three months. These were the examples of times when they couldn't fight that censorship. The censorship happened. It, I think, showed us how silly and meaningless the barriers that we build up between people can be. This is my favorite moment of our entire recording process ever. Hello! Hello and, and welcome, welcome to, to Televisionary. The podcast. The podcast. Where we where discuss... We discuss the, the shows, shows that, that shaped, shaped us. us. We're getting better at that. I like, I I don't know if we are actually getting better <laughs> at it, but I like doing it anyway. I really do too. It reminds me of, I don't know if you did this in your improv class, but in my improv class, we did like an exercise where you had to clap at the same time as someone else. Oh, no, I don't think we did that. Yeah, it, we all like ended up getting in sync by the end, but it was all just sort of based on looking at each other and anticipating what the other person was going to do. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. Well, here's a little improv for you. I'm Cody Hoffman. And I'm Elena Hillard. And today we are going to be talking about South Park. No, 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 no. Okay, I don't think I need to do any more of the theme song. That was pretty good. Just a little taste for you, in case you wanted it. And if you didn't, too bad. You got it anyway. This is going to be an interesting episode because I still just don't exactly know how I feel about South Park. I kind of feel the same way. I... We'll say the show has been very influential culturally. Yeah. But I just don't know how much I actually like it, which I think is the same thing that you expressed your feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely liked some episodes more than others. And I think the more I watch, the more I feel like I'm enjoying it. Like, I, the first couple episodes I watched, I was like, oh, this is really not for me. I had seen a few episodes, like, years ago. Zach had shown me, like, two or three episodes because he thought that I would really like it. And I just, eh. But then as I've been watching it over the past, like, few weeks or so, I've definitely grown to appreciate it. And some, like I said, some episodes really made me laugh. But I still just don't really know if it's something I like or will continue watching. Yeah, I had watched episodes probably in high school and college. Like, not consistently, but every now and then, if it was on, I would watch it, I would say. And I liked it, but I never considered it a favorite. But then I just kind of stopped watching as I got older and revisited it in time to record this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And I still appreciate the show and do think that it is very funny at times and it is making some cogent arguments for things and doing things that nobody else is doing. But I just don't know if it's exactly my taste, I guess. Which is fine, but it just kind of makes it hard to like get real excited to talk about it if you don't (laughs) like love it, you know? Yeah. But we're going to talk about it anyway. We are. And I think we're going to get excited. I'm excited. I don't know why I'm excited, but I am like really excited to talk about it because I just don't exactly know. I mean, I know where we're going to go, but I don't know how we're going to get there, if that makes sense. Ooh, okay. (laughs) 
It's all about the journey. Yes. Not the destination. <laughs> well, do we want to s- explain to people what this show's about if somehow they've been living under a rock for the past, like, 30 years or however, however long it's been on the air? Sure. Let's do that. Would you like me to do that, or do you want to do that? I would love for you to do that. Okay. I would be happy to oblige. Do you want me to do it? No, I just, I didn't want to disrespect your wishes by just (laughs) steamrolling ahead and doing it myself. No, I love listening to you explain what these shows are about, because if I do it, I'm going to try to go off script, and then I'm going to walk down an alleyway that has no ending, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I know what you mean, but I did take the time to... I think pretty thoughtfully, carefully write out a description of the show, (laughs) which is a little bit difficult to do because this this is a very difficult show to like pin down what it's actually about Mm -hmm. because it's, it is about so many more things (laughs) than it's actual, you know, plot and central characters most of the time. But in essence, the show typically centers on the adventures of four elementary school boys. Stan, uh, who is like the show's main voice of reason. Kyle, who is a Jewish boy, uh, often the show's moral center. And there's really, if we're going to be honest here, not a whole lot of differences between Stan and Kyle. Like they're kind of the same person in a lot of ways. There's also Kenny, who speaks in mumbles that the audience can't really understand. And in the first five seasons, he dies in basically every episode. And then there's Cartman, who is a politically incorrect, manipulative, overweight, possible sociopath and psychopath. These boys are growing up in the small town of South Park, Colorado, with some of their storylines focusing on real-life experiences of young boys in small-town USA, but most of the storylines focusing on outrageous, completely unrealistic, totally over-the-top shenanigans, schemes, and various circumstances involving special guests, celebrities, pop culture figures. You name it, basically South Park has had them on in animated form, at least. And then most of the episodes also feature the boys' parents and siblings and classmates and teachers and community members and whatnot. So South Park is animated using a paper cutout style of animation. The pilot episode was all done by hand, paper cutout style, basically your typical stop motion. And then after that original pilot, they were able to replicate that same paper cutout style, but using computers. So that's how the show has been done ever since then. And as technology has advanced, they've been able to create the episodes faster and faster, which is one of the remarkable things about the show and something we'll definitely be talking about a little later on. Yeah, it would basically be impossible for them to create South Park as we know it, I think, if they were still actually cutting things out by hand. But the pilot episode was the only one where they actually did that, other than there were some short films which we'll get to in a second here, that were also paper cut out. But it's the show's trademark that, you know, they've retained that style, makes it instantly recognizable and it's kind of nice that they haven't diverged too far from that and gotten too fancy into their CGI or anything like that. Keeps them humble. Yeah, it's an animated show that is not really about the animation. I feel like mm-hmm. I did a paper cutout animation when I was in school, believe it or not. It takes forever, but it is a really, really nice 
way of making something when you don't have a lot of resources. And I think that they were very smart when they didn't have a lot of money and were first starting out to do it this way. Because really, the way it looks is just a vessel for the humor that is there. It's not really... It could be animated anyway, really. But they were just... I I respect them for doing what they could with the resources they had and then sticking to that style, which is so recognizable at this point. Like that style too is like pretty clearly rough around the edges you know maybe not as much nowadays as in the earlier seasons but I think that reflects the humor of the show as well the show is often pretty dark features a lot of satire there is a lot of irreverent and surreal humor and the show has a notable excessive use of profanity as well, which I think is something that we will touch on in a minute. So the creators behind the series, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, met when they were students at the University of Colorado, and they created this sort of stop motion short film called The Spirit of Christmas, which was basically the precursor to South Park. The characters were all kind of there. I think some of their names changed over time. But this movie, short film, whatever you want to call it, became kind of viral, if you want to call it that, even though it was the early 90s. It was like copied on VHS tapes and shared among people. And I actually watched a really great documentary researching this show called Six Days to Air. Did you watch that? Uh, No, I didn't. I haven't even heard of that. So it's all about like a week in the life of South Park, the writing staff and all the people behind the scenes. But they get into a little background behind it and they talk to the creators pretty heavily throughout and they talked about how so they made this short film they didn't put their names on it and it got circulated and then like people were sending it to them being like guys you gotta watch this and they're like we made that (laughs) and then they heard about other people who were like saying that they were the ones that made it trying to get jobs and stuff but it eventually led them to creating the pilot episode that they went to shop around town And they originally were in talks with Fox, but I learned in the documentary that Fox said they did their like whole pitch about the show and had these like giant paper cutouts of all the characters. And the lady that they were pitching to at Fox was like, we don't really think people want to watch an animated series about children. We think they want to see an animated series about families, which I think is interesting. I mean, they had The Simpsons and King of the Hill like were on the air at that time. So those are both family centric shows, but it's interesting because I know that the creators of the show hate Family Guy so much and that came out just a few years later. So it's interesting. Anyway, so they were like, no, we're not gonna go with your network. And then they decided to pitch elsewhere and eventually got picked up on Comedy Central. And Comedy Central aired the pilot which was entitled Cartman Gets an Anal Probe (laughs) on August 13th, 1997. So right out of the gate, you're just (laughs) kind of going for broke. And... (laughs) From that pilot episode on, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone have written and directed almost every single episode, just the two of them themselves. I think that Trey Parker is usually the one directing, and I think does the lion's share of the writing. Mm -hmm. 
and Matt Stone handles more of like the production side of things. They also perform most of the voice acting roles themselves, including all four of the main characters. And the show is aired on Comedy Central now for, as of this recording, I think they're in, so like they've aired two specials that are considered part of the 24th season. There have been 23 completed seasons and the 24th is supposed to be coming sometime soon. And in August of 2021, the show was renewed through season 30, or presumably until 2027, in a $900 million deal that includes the production of 14 South Park movies that will air exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. That is insane! (laughs) It is just crazy to be thinking about that amount of money on a show that is that old. I know. Too. Like, it has been around for longer than most of its audience now has probably been alive, Mm -hmm. honestly. (laughs) And it still has that much value. It's crazy. That's what I was going to say. Like, I looked into the ratings of the show, because usually when a show's been on as long as South Park, you're going to see, like, a decline. And it kind of did. Like, the first couple seasons were rising, then they fell, and then they rose a little bit and have basically remained level since then. Wow. Yeah, it's like it hovers, I think, like, okay, I'm going to just say it and I think I'm right. Around 3 million viewers per episode, maybe a little higher, a little less, but not by much. So it like really sticks within that range. And also the audience stays really consistent in age. It's not like just the people who are watching it in 97 are still the only people watching it. It still gets like a lot of young people watching the show. So it's interesting that it has remained so relevant, but 14 movies just seems like a lot to me. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of does. But, you know, I was thinking about it, too. Right now, South Park is available for streaming only on HBO Max. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what the terms of that deal were, so I don't know how long it's going to be on HBO Max. But since Comedy Central is owned by Viacom, uh, which is the owner of Paramount+, Plus, it makes sense that they would want to capitalize as much on South Park as they can with the generation of any new content. So I'm guessing that's probably where the 14 movies are coming from, because two of those are scheduled to be released by the end of 2021. Oh, wow. I'm not sure when this podcast recording is going to be released, but (laughs) as of right now, neither of those movies has come out, but they are supposed to be coming pretty soon. Yeah. So I think it's obvious that Paramount wants to to get their money's worth out of that deal as soon as possible, and understandably so. Uh, unlike South Park, we take months to finish our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> South Park can animate, record an, an entire episode in six days, and we can't do a podcast in less than like three months. <laughs> Anyway, so they have this deal now to do 14 movies, but there is already a movie out there. It's called South Park. What is it? South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, which received a an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song, which is pretty cool. And also had a Guinness World Record for the most swearing in an animated film at 399 profanities, including 146 uses of fuck, 128 offensive gestures, and 221 221 acts of violence. That's like an average of one every six seconds, right? (laughs) So much. I mean, animated films generally don't have a ton of profanity, so there probably was not a lot of competition there, but South Park clearly was going for broke. They were. (laughs) They were not holding anything back. I think actually the 
who is it? MPAA. MPAA that, that determines the motion picture ratings. They were really sticking with an NC-17 rating for a long time because of all of the profanity and vulgarity and violence and everything in the show, or in the movie. And finally, at the last minute, they caved because of studio pressure. I don't know how all of that works, but um, I guess they finally got it downgraded to an R rating because it was pretty clear that the thing that they were most concerned about was the language but yeah i was i wanted to find this little fact that i thought was interesting but i can't seem to track it down right now the movie was originally going to be called like south park straight out of hell or something like that and Mm. the mpaa really didn't want them to use hell in the title and so they countered with bigger longer and uncut which is like (laughs) arguably a much more inappropriate title i saw in the six days to air documentary that they also fought the mpaa so there were all these sexual acts that were going to be in the movie and the mpaa like was fighting them on it so they wrote this like impassioned letter detailing in like order with like graphic detail all of the acts that they wanted to show in this movie and like the MPAA eventually was just like okay fine like go ahead and do it (laughs) which is one thing that I I just respect about them so much they just they want to go there and they will fight and that was pretty early on in the series run as well that the movie came Mm -hmm. out they were really risking a lot to put that movie out there and fight for all of the stuff that's in there. It may sound dumb, but that's like a big deal. That could have ended careers, but instead it made their career. For sure. Yeah, I think they just knew from the beginning who their audience was. Like, it was clear that people were responding to this. Even before the show premiered, you know, Mm -hmm. just from the short films that were circulating, it was obvious that people liked what these guys were doing. Maybe a very specific group of people, but I think that Trey Parker and Matt Stone are just the kind of people who, they want to rebel against any kind of authority, it seems. Mm -hmm. Anyone who tells them not to do something, they just want to do it and do it even worse than they would have before they were told no. So, not worse, but, you know, bigger and badder and bodier than, (laughs) than they would have before. It's clear that they just didn't care if anyone was going to tell them no in whatever organization tries to regulate what people can and can't do in their art. They weren't going to pay attention to that anyway. So the show, or the movie, why do I keep saying show? <laughs> I don't know. It's because we only talk about shows on this podcast, <laughs> not movies. But anyway, the movie was not like a huge commercial success. I think it only grossed like $87 million, which still was... Four times their budget. Yeah. But Not a lot of money. That's still not a lot of money. But it's clear that there was an audience for it, at least. It got nominated for an Oscar, like we said. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone wore dresses mm-hmm. to the Oscar ceremony. And they said they were high on LSD. LSD. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. So. The show won five Emmy Awards, which is pretty solid. And also won a Peabody Award, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah, that one is kind of surprising. I did not read, like, the description of why it won the Peabody. I know that that's what the Peabody always does with the shows that it awards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was basically just because of their commentary on, like, current events. Mm. That's pretty much everything regarding the background of the show. But we did have a few touch points from the show's run that we wanted to get into moments that were memorable resonated throughout the culture or were just pushing the boundary in a way that 
is worth noting. Would you like to get into those? <laughs> yes, I sure would. So the first touch point that we want to talk about is actually the first episode of the series, which is Cartman gets an anal probe. And I love that I get to say anal probe on this podcast. You can say it as much as you want. Yes. Because the MPAA doesn't care about us. We're just small fish in this pond. I don't know if there's any kind of podcast regulatory association like there is for motion pictures. But Probably not yet. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, because we don't have to run our content by anybody before we just send it out to the masses. Maybe we should start a podcast regulatory network. Maybe that's our oh, calling. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, we should be policing other people's content. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Cartman gets an anal probe. So in this first episode, aliens visit South Park and they put a control probe in Cartman's butt. So (laughs) that's basically it. It goes from there. He doesn't want to admit that there is an anal probe in his butt, but eventually it literally comes out. The aliens are there. It's just stupid and totally irreverent. It's vulgar. It's like pushing buttons already. And it made it very clear that the show was not afraid to go there and was just this weird show that was so simple in its vulgarity that it's like genius honestly Mm -hmm. and it has only so like this was the first episode I watched in prepping for this episode and I watched it and I was like this is nothing like this is not even like offensive in any way but then you watch episodes from season 12 or season 19 that have really like the show has just continued over time to keep pushing the boundary of what is acceptable to show. And I think it's interesting that this is the place that they chose to start. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that they were trying to set some kind of expectation of what the show would be. And they did that. I mean, it's not like an outrageous episode in terms of the vulgarity, I would say. But it's just like, it's the kind of thing that you have not seen on television before, that's for sure. An eight-year-old boy (laughs) having a a probe stuck up his butt by aliens and farting fire because of it and stuff like that. It's just stupid and weird and, like you said, kind of genius. And the show has only settled into that kind of dynamic more and more as time has gone by. And I, I just think it's... I don't know. Interesting that the show would have been considered so inappropriate or that this episode would have been considered so inappropriate because but I think that's mostly just because at that point you were still expecting cartoons mm-hmm. or animated shows to be just for children. Right. You know, yeah, you had The Simpsons, you had King of the Hill, you had Flintstones back in the 60s, you know, that some adults watched. <laughs> <laughs> it was a primetime show. But, you know, you weren't at the point yet of Family Guy or any of the other big mouth now on Netflix. You know, those are shows that... Rick and Morty. uh, Rick and Morty, yes. Shows that would not be what they are today had South Park not paved that way for stupid, ridiculous nonsense. Mm -hmm. And that that was their thing from episode one, from minute one. And in a way... They paved the way for themselves. Oh, for sure. You know, all these other shows that came after it. Yeah, but also by setting this tone and not settling from minute one has 
I mean, led them to the point that they're at today where they can pretty much do whatever they want with the exception of show the Prophet Muhammad, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) Uh Uh, Another thing that happened pretty early on that I I think is interesting is season one, episode four, which is Big Gay Al's Big Gay Boat Ride, which is such a great title. In this episode, Stan has a dog. His dog turns out to be gay. And then he doesn't like that. Everyone makes fun of him. And then his dog runs away and finds big gay owls, big gay animal sanctuary. And eventually Stan runs after his dog. He goes to the sanctuary and he ends up going on a little boat ride and finds out all about what homosexuality actually is because everyone he's asked in the episode up until that point has not given him the correct answer. And at the end of the episode, he tries to make the residents of South Park accept that homosexuality is an okay thing. And a lot of people are reunited with their gay animals. <laughs> a donkey blows up or whatever. So a fun fact about this episode, the voice of Sparky, which is just barks, like he's not an actual speaking voice, just barks, done by George Clooney. What? Yes. George <laughs> Clooney was one of a number of celebrities who was a big fan of the short films and heard that there was a series happening and wanted to be involved in some way. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone being themselves and not caring about what anyone thinks or who anyone is, they would offer celebrities these minuscule, like, totally stupid rules on the show. Rather than an actual speaking part, they would offer, Mm -hmm. like, a dog barking, or they would offer, like, weird noises that someone could make in the background, things like that. (laughs) And they offered George Clooney the part of this dog in the episode, and he said yes. So if you watch that episode and listen to the dog barks, it's George Clooney. Wow. Yeah. This episode aired in September of 1997, which was just months after Ellen DeGeneres and her sitcom character Ellen Morgan came out as gay. So homosexuality was a hotly debated topic at the time, and the show, I think, really kind of set a bar for not only not shying away for those kind of issues, but sort of getting a little preachy, honestly. Not in, like, a sappy way or, like, a scolding kind of way, but, like, just coming right out and showing where it stood on this issue and showing that it was not going to back down from taking stances. And, you know, it's still also highlighting a lot of stereotypes about gay people, so it's sort of lovingly mocking the thing that it is preaching. (laughs) But uh, I just think this episode is so cool as a blueprint for what the show could turn out to be at its best. That's such a great way to put it. The next episode I wanted to mention (laughs) is probably my favorite episode. Really? Uh, Just because it's so (laughs) off the wall Mm -hmm. and just crazy. It's episode four of season five of the show. It is called Scott Tennerman Must Die. And in this episode, Cartman meets a high schooler named Scott Tennerman, who cons Cartman into believing that he could begin puberty by buying some of Scott's pubic hair. So Cartman gives him, I don't remember how much money it was for... $16.20 Yeah, it was like not a lot of money. (laughs) But he gives, Scott gives him a handful of his own pubes and Cartman then, you know, runs around bragging that he is a man now and that he has, you know, gone through puberty because he has pubes. And everyone is just making fun of him for being an idiot and believing this. It kind of escalates. Scott keeps, you know, scamming him, conning him into believing 
different things and Cartman just gets outraged that he is falling for it and decides that he needs to get revenge. So <laughs> he invites Scott to the chili cook-off where you just kind of have the impression that Scott's just gonna like have diarrhea or something. It's going to be, you know, a horribly embarrassing incident for him. And <laughs> while Scott is eating a bowl of chili that Cartman has provided, Cartman tells him that he has murdered his parents and that he is currently eating them in the chili. <laughs> like, <laughs> where does that idea even come from? Like, I just cannot even imagine who <laughs> just spouts off that idea in the writer's room. Like, I, I just have the most respect for that in the weirdest way that you can come up with an idea so over the top mm -hmm. like that. And then, like, the episode ends, and the next episode, everyone has forgotten about that. It's like it never even happened. Something that huge should be a landmark event in the world of the show. And in any other show, mm -hmm. it would be, and you would immediately start hating Cartman as a character, because he's clearly demonstrating psychopathic tendencies, and you somehow just like him more. I, <laughs> I know. Because of it, it's just... Like, it's an indication of, you know, how the show is just holding nothing back. Mm -hmm. And that there are just no rules in this world, which is something that I appreciate about it so much. There's a really great moment in the, one of the episodes that's super controversial is called Cartoon Wars. And in that episode, Cartman meets Bart Simpson. And Bart Simpson is like, oh, I'm a really bad kid. And Cartman's like, well, what did you do? And then Bart's like, well, I stole a head off a statue once. And Cartman's like, yeah, I made a kid eat his parents in a bowl of chili. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bart just leaves. It's <laughs> uh, so good. Uh. Another episode that I really liked was in season five as well. That's season five, episode 13. This episode is called Kenny Dies. And so we've already said that in basically every episode of the show up until this point, Kenny will just be killed or die in some way during the episode. But in this episode, he actually dies for real and then remains absent from the series until the end of season six. He just returns then out of nowhere as if he had never been gone at all. And he rarely has died from that point <laughs> forward, too. But really, it sounds like the creators were just running out of ways to kill him like they didn't want to keep killing him in the same ways and actually they had been considering killing off a different character that really? I think Kyle was the one that they had intended to <laughs> kill because they thought he was a little too much like Stan wow and they were having more popularity with other characters like Butters and mm -hmm. Timmy and Jimmy that they were maybe having second thoughts about whether it was necessary to have both Stan and Kyle in the <laughs> picture. But they ultimately decided that it was going to be easier to kill Kenny for good because he contributed the least, I guess, you know, to the show. And if they had to keep up the idea of killing him, it was just going to... They felt it could get old. He's my favorite character. Is he really? Mm-hmm. Why? I, I just like... Like, I like the fact that he doesn't talk. Like, he just makes noise. But there's an episode, mm -hmm. I think it's called Best Friends Forever, where he's dying and Cartman finds, like, all a, in a, a truck of aborted fetuses, like, flips <laughs> over and Cartman finds all these fetuses and then tries to sell them to different labs. And then the whole thing becomes, like, a stem cell research thing. Cartman goes to Congress and 
makes everyone sing heat of the moment. But in this episode, uh, Kenny has a will and he gives all this stuff to Stan and Kyle. And then he's like, Cartman, I've actually hated you forever. <laughs> like, but I'm going to give you my PSP anyway, because you have nothing like to live for anyway. <laughs> And then, like, there's a fourth page of the will where he's going on to explain, you know, if I'm ever in a vegetative state, this is what I want done to my body. But the last page is missing. And so the whole debate, the whole episode is like, should we revive him? Should we not revive him or like keep him alive or whatever? And then they find the final page after it's made like national news. And the final page says, if I'm ever in a vegetative state, just don't put me on national TV. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just like Kenny. I just anything involving him just makes me laugh. And I don't know. For someone who doesn't say anything, he's so expressive to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is true. Like you can always kind of tell his feelings about things and where he stands on things, even if he's not saying anything <laughs> at all. As a part of the action, I think he's he has value. You yeah. know, it was good of them to bring him back. That was a smart move, I think. Yeah, definitely. So there are tons of episodes throughout the course of South Park that maybe don't warrant like a huge exploration, but that touch on some really interesting or notable topics that we just kind of wanted to mention here and there. I think especially one that stands out to me is season nine, episode one is called Mr. Garrison's Fancy New Vagina. And the boys teacher at school is named Mr. Garrison. He started out kind of denying that he was gay, although he was an obvious homosexual. Um, He eventually admitted that he was gay, got this boyfriend named Mr. Slave, which, you know, (laughs) I think speaks for itself. And it kind of went through these sort of, kind of all across the sex and gender spectrum until finally landing on realizing that he is transgender. And this episode takes a very humorous approach to that, but it really does explore transgender issues and body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. in a really interesting way, because I think, is it Stan and his dad both see the plastic Mm -hmm. surgery that Mr. Garrison, now Mrs. Garrison, has gotten and are recognizing things about themselves that they don't like and wish they could fix it just turns into a very interesting episode that you don't kind of expect it to go to those sorts of places. It's just, I don't know, interesting how the show has been weirdly at the forefront of some issues like that. Because that was season nine. That was like mid-2000s. Yeah. And uh, transgender issues were not really a huge thing at the time. Body dysmorphia was not either. So good for the show for being unafraid to take on topics like that. And also to not just like bring them up and validate them by putting a spotlight on them, but also make fun of them at the same time. It's a hard line to walk. And the show doesn't always do that super well, I would say. But in this case, I felt like that the way that they approached that all worked. Another one that this was actually my favorite episode that I watched at the I'm going to jump ahead here a little. Season 22, episode one, Dead Kids, explores school shooting in a way that I thought was just absolutely brilliant and spot on. This episode made me laugh so hard. Basically, there's all these school school shootings happening at the boys' school, and 
No one cares. Class continues on. There's shooting in the hallways. Bodies are being rolled out. Everyone in the town doesn't care. The only person that cares is Kyle's mom and is like, what is going on with you people? Like, how can you not be mad about this? Like, how can you not be scared? And her husband, Randy, just assumes that she has PMS. And that (laughs) something about that whole episode, and I just think it, encapsulated the outrage that we, well, most of us were feeling and are still somewhat feeling regarding school shootings, which is that like, how can some people just not get it? That this is not like, like, come on, like they, they were happening at the time that the episode came out. Like, it was like every day, every couple days you would hear about another school shooting and it just became background noise. And so to see someone actually reacting the way that like we all should have been feeling that entire time, I just think it was so spot on. And then I just love the PMS, the menopause, the oh, she's just being a hysterical woman debate. It just makes it that much funnier for me because that is like every man's response to any like real reaction that a woman has is like oh you're just being emotional because you're hormonal it's i don't know there's just something about it that is so depressing (laughs) at the same time as being hilarious like you are Mm -hmm. laughing the whole time but it's also like a I couldn't help but having feelings of dread mm-hmm. while watching it of like this is too real yeah. <laughs> All, like almost too real to be funny but it like it just the way that the show can tap into those feelings and exploit those feelings not for like anything negative honestly but kind of putting it in front of your face in a way that you haven't thought about it before is brilliant and like you said I I just think that it's it was so well done and deserves a watch, whether you appreciate the show's humor or not, because I just think it's an important aspect of our culture in America for people to recognize. Yeah, absolutely. Another important episode, I would say, in the show history, season nine, episode 12, is called Trapped in the Closet, and it is a send-up of Scientology. This I think was a landmark episode for the show. Definitely. I will say it was probably the most information I had ever gotten at that point in my life about what Scientology actually was. Like this show educated me probably more than any other source until I watched Going Clear, the HBO documentary about Scientology, about what this cult actually was and what it did. Mm -hmm. And I just I mean it's hilarious too it's so funny but it's that's another thing that like lays all of this true information out in front of your face and you're laughing at it but you're also learning from it you are realizing that is messed up so (laughs) I just think again that's one that if you have not seen Trapped in the Closet which yes features some R. Kelly so (laughs) have to let that slide but go watch it because it's Worth it just to find out about Scientology if you don't know, but also just to see. I think it's a classic example of what the show is at its best. I think it follows that same blueprint that was set up pretty early on of like being ridiculous, being funny, but then in the end having some sort of message that is meaningful. And you're right. I mean, it it educates you so much on Scientology. 
Well, would you like to move on to the impact of the show? Yeah, let's go ahead and look at some bigger picture things. Uh, This is kind of going to go along, I think, with what I was just talking about. But the show really puts a spotlight on issues and subject matter that other shows would never touch. And the fact that it uses satire to do that means that it's often educating its audience about those issues, whether... The show is really trying to do that or not. Like I said, I learn more about Scientology from watching South Park than anything else. I think the same probably about Mormonism <laughs> and just a smattering of other random topics like drug use and abortion, homelessness, Japanese whaling, the benefits of legal prostitution, global warming. There's no area of society that South Park has not touched. Honestly, like at this point, yet they still continue to find new content. Like they do find new things to comment on. And that is amazing to me. But like the fact that they're usually (laughs) making very carefully crafted and astute observations about those things and challenging you to think about them is really remarkable and I can't think of another show that does it quite the same way. So you had mentioned to me that there just really isn't a comparable show to South Park in the way that it covers current events. There isn't another Mm -hmm. scripted show anyway I would say that really covers Mm -hmm. current events in the same way that South Park does. There are late night shows or like SNL to like a certain degree. There are news shows that are covering current events but there's really nothing in like the vein of South Park out there. And I don't know, I thought a lot about that specifically because I think it's interesting because in my mind, a lot of the current events shows that are out there, late night or otherwise, usually have a pretty clear cut agenda. Like I think of something like John Oliver as like my example here of being someone who is trying to make a political point with the things that he talks about on his show. And South Park obviously covers political issues, but they just run like the entire range of things that they could talk about. And the creators have mentioned before that they hate conservatives, but they also hate liberals. Like they just are such an equal opportunity offender that they kind of touch on everything. I think it's an interesting line that they walk. It's an interesting place that they inhabit. And it makes me wonder if the way that they cover these issues, do you think that it's... How do you think that it's affecting the viewers of the show? Do you think that it is leading viewers to take events less seriously? I know we've kind of talked about that in the past with like House of Cards. Or do you think it makes viewers more engaged in current events? Like, where do you think that the show kind of drives that connection with viewers? I think this is such a big question. Like, it's so hard to say what influence South Park has in determining any individual's stance on a certain issue or their, you know, perception of a certain issue. I will say that I think sometimes the lampooning of what are very serious issues can be detrimental or at least distracting from the gravity of a situation. Like global warming, there's nothing funny about the fact that our climate is changing and that if we don't do something serious about it, we're all going to die. (laughs) So, you know, does that mean that we shouldn't be making jokes about it. I mean, it's kind of like a smile through the pain kind of thing, right? Like, I've made some jokes before about how, you know, 
nothing that I'm doing right now matters because in 30 years we're all going to be dead from climate change anyway. So what's the point? <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to think like that with that nihilistic existential dread. But I don't know. I think in some ways we need something like South Park to relieve ourselves of the pain and despair of the human existence at at some point, but it's also, it's possible that the show is doing more to desensitize people to all of these issues that they're covering in a way that makes people, I guess, less likely to actually act and do something to change them. But we see these awful things going on around us in the world all the time, and for some of them, there's nothing that we can do. So might as well laugh where we can at it, but at the same time, there are other things that we can do something about and we all should be doing something about, and if we are just sitting there laughing at them, then maybe we aren't acting. Maybe we aren't trying to change those things. I just don't... I feel like I'm dancing all around an actual answer to this question, but it's it's hard to come down on a side of, you know, whether the show has been good or bad. Right. And I think where I ended up landing with this is that because the show doesn't take sides, really, I mean, it will take sides on issues for episodes, but it's not always arguing for a more conservative world and it's not always arguing for a more liberal world. The only thing that it consistently really argues for is lack of censorship, I would say. Overall, the show doesn't have like a big stance. And so because it doesn't choose to take a stance that would be like furthering the cause for a better world, like I don't know why I keep thinking of John Oliver just because he does it so baldly and openly, you know, he is clearly arguing for change in our society. I don't think South Park does that. I think it jumps all over the map with what it's trying to say so much. And I mean, the thing that people always say about the show is that the creators just have this view of everything sucks. Turn around and point your finger at anything and it sucks. If there's two political candidates, one is a giant douche and the other one's a giant turd or whatever. Everything and everyone can be made fun of and does suck. And so in choosing to have that outlook, I think that it's impossible to assign the show as being good or bad because the intent behind it is not like, let's make a better world or let's be good or let's be bad. It's like, let's universally make fun of everything and find the good and the bad in like everything. And so I don't know if that... You know, for viewers, that could mean a lot of things. It's whatever the viewer is going to take from watching it. But I don't think that South Park has an intention of like trying to make our world a better place necessarily. I think at its very best, it is just trying to get people to think critically about anything and everything and to question everything and to realize that, you know, everything can suck or everything can be good. Like, I don't know if I'm making any sense at this point, but I... I don't know. I think for a show like South Park, trying to assign it as like a net positive or a net negative for society, it's just impossible because the intent behind it is not there. Yeah, I I mean, I agree with that. I It's like the show has highlighted certain issues that other places have, you know, that other shows have not dared to go. But it's also not like they have any reverence for certain things enough to not make fun of them, like you said. And like going off equal opportunity offender and everything like that. That, I think, is fine most of the time. I just wonder, like, the prolonged effects of that on particularly young people, impressionable people who make up the majority of South Park's audience. I just wonder, is that instilling apathy by, like, being able to make fun of any and everything and saying that, yes, everything sucks all the time, always? I just don't know if we want 
people to be able to make fun of absolutely everything, to find the humor in absolutely everything. You know, like, there are just some things in this world that I wish we could all find the common ground to be able to respect and revere and say, you know, that's off limits. South Park has the right to make fun of whatever they want to make fun of, and it's not up to me to decide what is off limits, nor should it be up to anyone else. I don't know. I don't know if any of that is making any sense <laughs> at all. I don't know if I stammered my way through that real hard, so if you're listening to this, Elena probably did a, a crack-up, bang-up job <laughs> editing it together in some coherent fashion. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is I hope, I sincerely hope that South Park is not making people too jaded to believe that there is hope for our world (laughs) and that, you know, there are viable options for leaders of our world out there, that there are good things happening in society that, you know, not every problem, quote unquote problem that we see in society is unsolvable. It's just hard to feel that way when they continue to find things (laughs) to make fun of in our world. I don't know. Well, not to take us too far away from that, because I think this ties in pretty nicely. So we've been talking about how the show can kind of make fun of whatever it wants. Everything sucks and all of that. I did want to mention one time, well, actually five times in which the show was told it couldn't do or say what it wanted to say, and I'm specifically referring to five episodes of the show that depicted the prophet Muhammad. And these five episodes are currently not present on HBO Max. I had to to watch two of them by the episodes on YouTube. <laughs> so let me give you a little bit of a rundown here. I'm only going to talk about four of them. The fifth one I just don't think is as relevant to what I'm trying to say here. So the first two episodes that depicted the Prophet Muhammad and were censored by Comedy Central are Cartoon Wars 1 and Cartoon Wars Part 2. These episodes were making fun of Family Guy because the creators of South Park hate Family Guy. And in this Cartoon Wars episode, they were going to show this little cutaway to Family Guy. And, you know, Family Guy always does like stupid jokes that are cutaways. Anyway, they were going to cut away to the prophet Muhammad for some reason, probably because it doesn't make any sense. And that's what family guy is. But at the same time that all of this was happening and partially informing the writing of cartoon wars, there was an event happening on the international stage where this, I believe, Danish newspaper created a cartoon depicting Muhammad. This sparked outrage in Islamic nations. There were so many violent attacks and demonstrations that happened as a response to this cartoon. And so then, of course, South Park has to reference this in some way. So Comedy Central is already on edge about this. They tell the guys that they can't show Muhammad. This is not all right. And for those of you who don't know, I this is a part of the Islamic faith. You can't, you can't depict Muhammad in like a drawn or painted form. So Comedy Central puts the pressure on South Park. South Park then pushes the episode back further into the season and breaks it into two parts, I think, as a bit of an FU to the network. Anyway, I've gone on long enough about that. Basically, Cartoon Wars airs. Comedy Central does censor the image of Muhammad. If you watch the episode, there's a little black box over him. There are certain elements of these episodes that are bleeped out. And the episodes air with the censorship 
time passes, and then two more episodes are created. These are episodes that are titled episode 200 and episode 201. I don't believe that those episode numbers are the number that corresponds to their place within the series. I think 200 and 201 are the numbers of Cartoon Wars 1 and 2, but I could be wrong about that. 200 and 201 also depict Muhammad. 200 airs. There is huge controversy. There is this guy in America who is working for Al-Qaeda who issues death threats against Matt and Trey. And so 201 is heavily, heavily censored by Comedy Central. Black box over Muhammad and large, large portions of the episode aired with things being bleeped out. As we've talked about before in this episode, at the end of a lot of South Park episodes, there is like this big speech. The entire big speech at the end of that episode is completely bleeped out. Hmm. So I just thought this was interesting because for a show that is so much about pushing the boundary and so much about anti-censorship, these were the examples of times when they couldn't fight that censorship. The censorship happened. And it feels really unfair in a sense, to me, because they've made fun of everything, but we can't make fun of Muhammad. And I mean, I respect like the Islamic faith. If you don't want to see him depicted in like a cartoon, like, and that's part of your religion, like, obviously I respect that. But South Park respects nothing. And so many Christian groups got outraged after this happened because Jesus is depicted all the time in South Park. For example, at the end of Cartoon Wars, Jesus literally takes a poop on George W. Bush. Like, there's a little bit of, like, unfairness here of, like, if we're going to make fun of everyone, we should make fun of everyone. Like, why do, why do these episodes get the pass? And I hope I did an okay job explaining it. It's very confusing for my... I've seen the episodes, but it's very confusing for my brain because, like, the episodes themselves are about censorship. But then there's this whole other censorship saga happening outside of the show, so it's a little bit confusing. I hope it made some sense at all, but basically what I'm getting at here is these are the episodes that were super censored, and for a show that prides itself on not being censored, I think it's worth noting. It is worth noting, and I just wonder how much of the network's insistence on censorship was out of concern for Trey and Matt's safety, because it sounds like with death threats and everything being issued against them, that it's possible the network was just taking their own well-being into account, because, you know, they wouldn't care themselves, (laughs) you know, like they wouldn't it wouldn't make a lick of difference to them whether anyone was threatening them because of something that they were putting on the show but obviously comedy central has a vested interest in keeping them alive not just because you know they're humans and all human lives should be valued but because they were behind this very popular property of theirs and while of course it would be just insane if something were to happen to the guys because of airing the content as they wanted to. It does feel, that's how I understand it, is that like it was the network trying to take their best interests into account. But still, interesting that that is the thing of all of the things that they have done that would prompt anyone to, you know, take that action against them. That's how I felt. Like, it, it just felt surprising, I guess, to me that this was it. Like, this was the thing. And... For me, what having seen the episodes, it sucks 
that they censored sort of the wrap-up portion of episode 201. Mm-hmm. And you you literally can't find an uncensored version of that one anywhere online. It, like, it just doesn't exist. But the show always tries to wrap it up. Well, maybe not always tries, but like maybe the overall message of the show would have been more acceptable if you had just allowed it to be said. You know, I don't want to talk about censorship too much, but South Park's usually going somewhere with what it's doing. And so to not even allow that portion of it to air feels a little bit much to me. I think censoring it makes you wonder, well, what kind of horrible incendiary things are they saying here? When really, it probably wasn't anything more outrageous than anything else that they had ever done, you know? But the fact that you just don't know, the fact that, you know, they have cultivated this aura of mystery around the episode, I don't know if it in any way generated some excitement for the show because of it, but it, I think probably had an unintended effect of making it seem like the show was crossing lines that it wasn't actually trying to cross. Even though there are very few lines that it would not <laughs> cross, but <laughs> yeah. I I just can't imagine that it was actually as bad as it seems if they had to censor it, you know? Yeah. I think it is worth noting, though, the man that did issue the death threats is now in prison serving like a 25-year sentence or something wow. for everything that he was doing here on American soil. So for all of its offense in what it has presented on screen, I would say that the show has also been pretty progressive as far as representation. Now, also keep in mind that a lot of the representation that they are showing is just kind of making fun of certain groups of people at times, but the show has regularly featured LGBTQ plus characters from the very beginning. You know, episode four of the series was Big Gay Owls, Big Gay Boat Ride. Yeah. And, you know, then you have characters like Mr. Garrison going on a very long and protracted journey. I think Cartman's mom at one point is uncovered in her past to have had some bisexual experiences, <laughs> um, plenty of other random characters along the way. And those characters, yes, they're being made fun of, but they're not being mocked because of their quote-unquote otherness, but instead they're usually just accepted without question. You know, it's like, this is the way this person is, and yes, we are really playing with these stereotypes and making fun of you know, the way that certain groups of people are typically portrayed in society, but they're not making fun of people just for being that way. Does that make sense, the way that I'm trying to phrase that? Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense to me anyway. (laughs) The show also draws reference to tokenism on screen by having one character of color whose name is Token Black, and later on they do add a female Black character named Nicole. There was also Chef earlier in the series. There was Chef. That's true. Yes. Yeah. But among the boys' friends, they have one black friend. (laughs) But, like, that's something that you see all the time in other shows, and Token is not usually a major character, but he's at least a part of the action sometimes and treated as just another human instead of the black person, so it feels like a step in the right direction. And then there's also characters like Jimmy and Timmy and other one-off characters who have disabilities that, yes, sometimes are used for comic effect, but the mockery that any of those characters might be experiencing, which is usually 
from Cartman. <laughs> Other characters are quick to come to their defense or to rebuke them. So I don't know. I For a show that does kind of get off on <laughs> offending so many people, I think they have shown that they have a conscience as far as who it's okay to make fun of and why it is okay to make fun of them. And the show is not making fun of people just because they are different. And instead, they have made an effort to include people and to show people who are different, even if they are still poking fun at them. I, th- I just feel like that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is really cool. I mean, I think I don't feel like it's ever from a place of truly trying to tear down anyone. Like, there is always a level of respect there. Like, it feels fine to me. Could they be doing more for representation? Sure. Like, of course they could. Almost every single show on the air could. Right. But I think they're not usually using people's otherness, I guess. I like that word well enough to describe what I'm trying to say. They're not using it for fodder. And if they do, it's very pointedly, it's very intentional that they are making fun of society's perceptions of race, of sexual orientation, of gender expression, whatever it might be. They're not exploiting it. They are just evaluating it, I guess. Right? I would just say, I feel like we've said it before a million times, but television is a very powerful medium. And I think that my only counterpoint to what we've been saying regarding this representation on South Park is that for every viewer that's like us who is like looking at this and saying yes this is a great representation of otherness is it perfect no but it's pretty good there is someone else watching who might see this mockery and use it as permission to use that same kind of mockery in their everyday life. And I read a lot, like I initially had not meant to go down this road with South Park, but it just kept coming up as I was reading about it, that a lot of people draw a connection between South Park and the troll culture, because I'm always talking about trolling on this podcast, (laughs) that has sort of arisen since the 90s. You know, the Reddit people, the 4chan people, the boys that play video games and call each other the F word. Um, (laughs) I sounded like I'm like 80 years old when I said that. (laughs) But some people even take it a step further. There's been several articles written that say that the way that the show presents these people who are different, who are you know, others who are not straight white people, that the show has contributed in some way to the rise of the alt-right, which I initially laughed at, and I still kind of laugh at, because I I think that if you're someone who's interested in the alt-right, you will find anything that is going to feed into your desire to be part of the alt-right. But there's a lot written out there that makes a compelling argument that South Park's treatment of non white, non-straight people does kind of give people permission, does kind of feed into this sort of alt-right rise that we've seen in the past few years. So I I don't know if you had anything that you wanted to say about that or any thoughts on that, but it is something that came up a lot while I was researching the show. I mean, I can see, I guess, how the show's ability or willingness to make fun of 
anyone could be taken as some people as not licensed necessarily. But if if you are someone who has alt-right tendencies, I guess I will say for <laughs> lack of a better term, if you see a show like South Park that is in any way mocking a black person, then yes, that can feed into your idea that every person who is not white should be made fun of, should be thought of as subhuman. Most people, the vast majority of humans, do not believe that and will not believe that just because South Park is showing that, you know? I don't think that South Park really can be assigned more blame than anything else for reinforcing the ideas that those group of people have. I, because yeah. they can find support for that anywhere that they want, mm-hmm. you know, just based on the landscape of media that we have at our disposal. Yeah, I think the furthest that I'm willing to go with it is, you know, connecting back to what you said earlier about, like, did the show kind of raise a generation of people to be apathetic? You know, I think the furthest I can go is, like, South Park maybe influences people to be apathetic about life in general, current events, like anything, and maybe feel apathetic about even the way that they treat each other. So like I could maybe go as far to say that the show did impact the troll culture that exists now, but ultimately it's a combination of factors. It's the interconnectedness of people. It's the anonymity of people online. It's so many things. All right. All right. So as we've kind of touched on already, the show was basically designed to be deliberately offensive to everyone in response to the culture wars of the 90s. It's not that sensitivity didn't exist before then, but that really (laughs) was the time period in which a lot of social causes began to be championed like never before. And for a lot of those issues, everyone in society began to kind of feel pressured to choose a side in a way that they hadn't before. I think up until the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of, well, I mean, earlier than that too. But I think especially heading into the 90s, we saw more acceptance of things that had never been acceptable before and more people willing to consider viewpoints that they had not been willing to consider. And that led to a lot of people feeling like they needed to choose a side on certain issues. And that has only worsened over the past couple of decades. And I would say today it probably has reached an apex, presumably because it can't get much worse than it is right now, with people being divided over certain issues and feeling that they have to subscribe to one set of views or another set of views. So I feel like South Park in some weird way, as getting in on the ground floor, if you will, of this shift that was happening in society, it became sort of a middle ground. It it viewed itself as some point between the conservative and the liberal and was able to make fun of all sides of an issue. It could always mine humor from something. And the show still made it pretty clear where it stood on a lot of issues, but through its ability to offend anyone or to make light of any situation, it, I think, showed us how silly and meaningless the barriers that we build up between people who believe differently than us can be. And, you know, by not being afraid to make anyone mad or to cross any sort of line, it sort of unites us in a way. (laughs) Uh, Because anyone... (laughs) regardless of their views, can be equally infuriated and vindicated by it. Right. And in that way, I think it makes all of the things that seek to divide us and separate us in the world sort of moot. 
Does that track? Do you agree? Disagree? (laughs) Everything you said tracks for me. But I will say that, as I often do when researching this podcast, I went down a rabbit hole of thinking with this one. Because while I think South Park's kind of equal opportunity offensiveness is charming and great and good and all of that, it feels very reminiscent of a specific point in time to me. I think about the late 90s and early 2000s. For some reason, Eminem just kept coming up in my mind here because I feel like Eminem's brand of just general offensiveness is very weirdly similar to South Park. I don't know. So he was a big one at the time. And then, you know, of course, like Family Guy happened and Ricky Gervais and like all these people who were just sort of offensive to anyone and anything and everyone. But that doesn't really feel like the world we're living in today. And, you know, I mentioned very early on in this episode that watching the first episode of the show, it doesn't really feel that shocking to me anymore. And I think that that is a part of it. Like, I think our society has just changed. I think that so much more can be talked about on TV and in media than ever before. So much more is acceptable and all of that. But I just think that the time in which the show came up was so defined by this sort of cynical attitude. And one argument I see online all the time is that, like, millennials get made fun of for being cynical or dark or hating everything or feeling like they have been shafted in some way. (laughs) But Gen Z, you know, the generation after millennials, are hopeful little people who think the world could be better and want to fight for change and think that the world can be better. Or maybe at the very worst of that, they just don't feel as jaded as millennials. So I just started thinking about the fact that South Park has been renewed through 2027. Theoretically, it's got the 14 movie deal with Paramount Plus. And just thinking about like the show's place in the world and whether or not a show like South Park even needs to exist or feels relevant anymore. Like, as a show that mines content from current events, it theoretically could go on till the end of time. But is the world that we're living in today just not the same world that South Park was created in? Like, Does it even need to exist anymore? Like, yes, it's still pushing boundaries. It's still fighting censorship in its way. But when was the last time, like, anyone was ever really shocked by anything that happened on South Park? I don't know. I mean, doing a pandemic special is great, but, like, does it feel meaningful? Like, does it feel like it's pushing the boundary at all? And I guess it doesn't need to, but as a show that was created to push boundaries, I think that it is meaningful. So I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of just rambling at this point, but it feels interesting to me to think about the future of the show and whether or not it still has a place or should have a place or how it could have a place in a world that maybe isn't the same as the world that it was created in. And I think post-COVID, we've kind of talked about this before, but it's going to be interesting to see what the media landscape looks like after the pandemic because things have changed a lot. Things are not being produced. And I... I don't know. I'm just curious to see what you think about this. So it is obvious to me that the world that South Park debuted in is not the world that we're living in now. So much about society has changed. So much of what is considered acceptable has changed. And South Park was doing a lot of things at the time that were considered unacceptable (laughs) by a lot of people. But if the show were to premiere today, I think 
there is no possible way that people would let it get away with what it got away with back in the 90s and early 2000s. That's a good point. I just think that like society's perceptions of what is okay to say and do what you can make fun of and not make fun of has evolved so much in the last few decades that even though South Park is continuing to do the same kinds of things that they have always done I think if it were a brand new show today it probably wouldn't even get on the air because everyone would be too afraid to air it. (laughs) I think it had to premiere when it did, so that it could set the bar for pushing those boundaries. And now, in a way, I don't want to say we're scaling them back, because we're pushing boundaries in a different kind of direction, I would say. The things that we're showing on screen are more positive representations of different things that we have not seen before. And it's about making sure that the world of media actually reflects the world that we live in. And South Park, to an extent, did that from the beginning, but it did that by making fun of everything. And these days, people have a a hard time understanding, it seems, that, that if you are mocking something, it doesn't mean that you are hating on it. I guess, for lack of a better word. Like, you can find humor in something, you can poke fun at something without thinking that it's worthless or without disparaging it fundamentally. So I feel like as for what place it holds today, since it is still on the air, since it is still kind of doing the things that it has always been doing, I think it can still provide those salient perspectives of what is going on in our world the way that it always has. I think it can challenge people to think of things in a different way. And maybe the style of humor is falling flat a little bit just because it's, you know, they're using generally the same style of humor that they have for the last 25 years. It's not that they aren't trying anymore. It's not that they have run out of content. It's just that we've kind of seen it all at this point from them. You know, all of the tricks that they are trying. So yes, it can serve, I think, in some way as a arbiter, maybe, of what is important enough to highlight in our world, you know, of what should warrant our attention and what needs to be brought to light in a weird way. It's just kind of strange to think about the show serving that kind of purpose in society. (laughs) But, you know, there are a certain number of people watching who will pay attention to South Park that wouldn't be paying attention to other things. And maybe the show won't always be super effective at highlighting the things that it needs to highlight. Maybe the humor isn't going to resonate with everybody and it's, you know, there are going to be people who demand its cancellation for its past grievances. You know, that's a thing that happens in today's world all the time. But I, it's clearly not going anywhere. You know, the show has been renewed for how many more years? It's going to be around unless they do something that is so truly egregious that everyone universally stands up and says we can't take this anymore and if they haven't yet then when (laughs) right when are they going to (laughs) so the show itself might not be changing in the approach that it takes to anything but i think it still has a place in society because it's been commenting on what we see in our real world and trying to provide us with some sense of relief from the things that are bad and trying to provide us with a different perspective of things that we think are good, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like 
That was a long meandering answer. But... No, Cody, literally, this is my favorite moment of our entire recording wow. process ever. Because you just said something that I never even considered in my thoughts about this show. It's funny because I feel like we're always pretty much on the same page about things, but I never once stepped back to think about if this show was pitched today, would it even make it to the air? And you're right. It absolutely would not. And in what you just said, you have convinced me that South Park deserves and needs to be on the air in 2021. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm not conveying how, like, shocked I feel right now. But I just, I can't believe I never even thought about that. But you're 100% right. South Park would never, ever exist if it was created today. And so the fact that it's still kind of doing what it's always done and providing this kind of commentary, that is relevant and that is important. And that is something that should exist, in my opinion, if only to counterbalance the sort of cancel culture that exists out there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just a little flabbergasted right now. (laughs) I didn't mean to take your breath away with my (laughs) observations, but... No, you, I just never, ever, I never thought that. I, like, never even crossed my mind. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I did not think of it until we were sitting right here recording this episode. <laughs> like, it just is something that popped into my head as I was thinking but about this But you're so stuff. right. But, I mean, y- yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it is such a different world today than it was, mm-hmm. you know, 25 years ago when the show was first getting started. There's so much that you just can't do today. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing for a lot of things in society, but, you know, for the role that South Park played when it premiered in, you know, where its chief goal basically was to offend people, you can't make a living off of offending people <laughs> anymore. Like, it's it's just not <laughs> a, a role that exists in society these days. So South Park still has proven itself to have a place because of its legacy, I would say. I think it has to continue to to do what it's always done best. Yes. And find those parts of society that are not being called out, maybe not being exposed in the way <laughs> that they ought to be. And that is how it will move forward, you know, for eternity. You know, it it could, justifiably, if it continues to find those things. There will always be those things in our world that that need to be made fun of, you know, or that (laughs) that can be made fun of and that it can continue to challenge our thinking about so many different things. Well said. Well, thanks. I don't think I have anything else to say about self I don't think I do either. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. And we hope that we haven't offended you the way that South Park might have by anything that we have said. But if we did, then don't cancel us. Feel free to reach out to us at Televisionary Podcast on Instagram. (laughs) Yes. If you're still listening and have been listening from the beginning and you haven't given us a review on Apple Podcasts yet, please do so. Yes, we would love and appreciate your support. If you're a brand new listener listening to us for the first time, thanks so much for joining us. And please continue to 
join us for future episodes <laughs> and go back through our catalog of already released episodes. Our lexicon. Yes. Tell all of your friends about us and just be a swell person and <laughs> and be nice to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. I don't know. Please be nice. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off. This has been Elena Hillard talking to you on Televisionary Podcast. And this has been Cody Hoffman doing the same. Bye! Bye! Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye!